Hello, all. Welcome to ADD Masterminds. I'm Bridget Watt, and today I am here with the OG co-host of the show, Jeff Hendricks. Hi, guys. I'm back. Yes, back in black. <laughs> or so back. Something like that. So, um, yes. How you been? Pretty good. Um, all things considered, uh, I'm doing very well. Um, some exciting things have happened in my life recently. Um, I'm married off my oldest daughter. Mm. Um, lots of other exciting things have happened. Um, I'm trying to think. Man, it's been so long since we've sat down and talked. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't, I don't even remember where we left off when the last time I was on the podcast was, which is insane because I, I don't know. But things are going well. Um, yeah, so I, for, almost, I almost forgot how we normally lead into these things because it's, it's just been so long and my, my podcasting muscles are very, very out of shape. <laughs> it's okay. I usually just they, drive it and change the subject and be really... I'm sure annoying for the people that are on the show. <laughs> I'm but, okay you know, with that. I mean, that's, that's Go ahead. The guys that we've had, you know, like uh, Theosaurus Rex and Jimmy, who've done a great job. Um, Love those guys. We're trying to get me to watch Tiger King. And I can't really say I've seen it, but I'm completely convinced that Carol killed her, killed her husband. Yeah. I, that's I, what I think I'm supposed so. to think. Um, or was it That's Cheryl? That's what everybody's telling me. I don't. I don't even know. Was it Sharon? Cheryl? Sharon? I don't know. I. I'll have to be honest. I. I haven't watched the show either. Um. But it's really fun, watching people discuss the show. Oh, it's so um, so. Because you don't know. Yeah, you don't have any <laughs> idea what the show is actually about. But then they start talking about it, and they start getting like all animated, and like, oh, there's this guy, and then he's like, and then there's these tigers, and then and there's like sardine oil, and like, and then there's like all this kinky weird stuff, and then it's like, and then someone dies, and then, and I'm just like, okay. Like, I, you know, and I have no desire in being in on this, like, and part of it too is like, so I heard a Clear Lens talk about it. Have you listened to the Clear, Clear Lens podcast? Uh, not that episode, no. Okay, but they were talking about it in their worldview analysis, and um, and then um, I was listening to Relevant Magazine's podcast, and they were talking about it too, right? And they were talking about like just what right. it teaches us about humanity and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's still reality TV, and I just don't have time for reality TV. Like I I prefer scripted. It's thought out. It's got some kind of a moral to it. That's great. But like following around, you know, a bunch of rednecks or a bunch of rich people or a bunch of, you know, <laughs> weird people. Whatever. And I feel like most of the reason why people watch it is because it makes them feel better about themselves. It's like, see, I'm not a weirdo or see, I'm not stupid. That person's stupid. And it's just it's just such a low bar of entertainment that I just I feel like I'm above that. Right. Yeah, well, I mostly yeah. just don't really want to to um, get stuck watching something that's like totally bizarre, degenerate, and weird. And yeah. people, for some reason, are just like in love with this show. 
Mm-hmm. And like, like there's been a couple of shows that people have said, look, you, you really need to watch this. Mm-hmm. And I tried. Um, Breaking Bad was one of those shows. Oh, I finished it. It was, I liked it. I you couldn't get into I it. appreciate I well no. I watched the first episode and a half and about halfway through the second episode I was just like this is just so graphic and yeah. so raw. Yeah. I just like, you know, I really don't want to be filling my mind with that. And yeah. It wasn't that I I liked the show. I thought it was really well done, extremely well done, production wise. The acting yeah. was great. The scripting was great. Um, but I just I couldn't force myself to sit down and sit through it and watch it. Yeah. And and, that's and I have a feeling the Tiger King is the same way. Yeah. I just yeah. you know I, I didn't want to I didn't want to be thinking about that. Um, you know, crazy stuff like that, which. And and that kind of kind of brings around the idea of how do Christians consume like real macabre entertainment? Like, mm. is that something that we really need to be doing? You know, and I'm using macabre in a very broad general sense. You know, not necessarily um, you know Lovecraftian really. You know, but I know guys who are um, who are Christians that watch like horror films and stuff like that, and I'm just like, I just can't do it. I know of Christians that make them. That's crazy, man. It's kind of interesting how people can see it as something that has redeeming quality because it teaches you to take evil seriously. But, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because we all kind of have our different um, tolerances. But it's like, is that tolerance built through legitimate means or do you just get desensitized like the frog boiling in water right well i mean putting on a level that's kind of something that you and i can equate it to i mean when i was in college and high school i listened to a lot of really hardcore death metal kind of music you know right. back then back then that wasn't really a a, a, a cool thing back then it was just really really dark and morbid and really gross and some of it was just outright evil but that was what i listened to because i was in a really twisted dark period of my life and i just felt Mm -hmm. that reflected how i felt now going back you know years later and i listen to that stuff if i hear it now and i'm just it just makes me very uncomfortable because Mm. i realize that it was very reflective of a part of me that I was very not, I shouldn't say I'm not, wasn't happy about, but it was, it was a very dark struggling time in my life. And it Mm. was, when I hear those songs, it's like a reminder of how depressed I was, how suicidal I was, how angry and violent I was. And I don't really want to be reminded of that. That's not something that I want to dwell on. So you're very sensitive to that. That's, that's good. It's good to be sensitive to that. Um, I think a lot of people are desensitized to that kind of stuff and they just, it's, it's a part of life, you know? And, um, it's interesting cause like, like for me, it's just like, this is, um, just not, it's a waste of my time intellectually. And you're seeing it more as like a waste of your time spiritually cause it could take you down a dark road. Um, and I, I looked at it and I was like, well, okay, is there, 
if this was like one show and it's like an hour and a half, I'm like, okay, maybe I could sit and watch like this movie, this documentary about this weird guy, just so I can understand what everybody's talking about. But then I looked and I saw there's like six shows and I'm like, no, no way. I'm not doing six shows. This is dumb. Um, but okay. One thing I didn't think I'd ever get into is TikTok. Um, my, my, um, my youngest, my two littles are really into TikTok and it looks like the dumbest thing ever. I, I keep telling my kids that YouTube celebrities aren't real celebrities. I'm like, they're all people that like are just, they're terrible. Like they're, I think bad acting is worse than bad singing. Like bad singing. It's like, okay, whatever. That dude that's singing the old hymns in church and he's just belting out at the top of his lungs and he's off key. I'm like, okay, that's cute. Like I can find that adorable. But someone standing in front of a camera and they cannot care, deliver a line, I, I just it just drives me crazy. Like I wanna, I can't watch it. And so I was like, I can't do TikTok. It's even worse than YouTube, right? And um, so my daughter comes up to me. And she <laughs> says, Dad, like, you know, the the boys have Instagram and they can see you on Instagram and they can connect with you on Instagram. I have nothing. The only thing I'm on is TikTok. And I'm like, okay. Fine. I'll, I'll start a TikTok account. And I had this idea for what my first TikTok would be. And it was this weird alliteration kind of thing I came up with that I tweeted earlier that day. And I'm like, oh, okay, that'll be fine. So I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not doing, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do a dance to this song or I'm going to lip sync to this song or I'm going to lip sync to this movie scene. Like, I just, I can't do that. It's so derivative. I'm going to do my own thing on TikTok. Yeah. And so... I just I've done these right. like little bits where I talk or whatever, and it's Bridge Live What if you want to follow me on TikTok. Um, but I'm like I started watching TikTok, and I'm like actually it's not as stupid as I thought it would be, or useless as it is as I thought it was. There was actually some really interesting stuff I learned, which we'll get to later. Um, it, it it was through TikTok, but um, I mean some of the comedy is okay. really funny. It's it's kind of it's kind of fun, and it's so brief, like it's not. It's not like sitting and watching six episodes of Tiger King. It's like every every clip is like two minutes or whatever. So I'm just like, right. I did find myself the first night that I was on TikTok, though. I normally go to bed at 10, and I'm very strict about it. And I was up until like 11, 11.30 watching TikTok. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I thought I was above this kind of unintelligible stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I get sucked down those, those kind of rabbit holes every now and then. I'll... Uh... Yeah come across something funny on, on YouTube or Twitter or I'll just chase rabbits for an hour and and then I'm like, oh yeah, maybe it's time for me to go to bed because, you know, i got to get up early and go to work tomorrow. But I find myself watching, and I, like I told you the other day, my biggest thing lately has been watching Minecraft videos. Well, I really enjoy them and they're funny and they're entertaining <laughs> and they're creative and some of them do some really goofy things and it's but it's just there's so much of it you know like i yeah. just can't dedicate 15 16 20 hours a week just watching this stuff and i'm like mm -hmm. even if you watch it on like one and a half speed it's still just like it's a <laughs> lot of hours you know it really is and so at what point do you say okay this is going beyond entertainment and it has now become something that I am obsessed with or that is taking up a majority of my free time. And, yeah, that, that's, that's a difficult line to draw because there's some really good entertaining stuff out there, and it's not bad in and of itself. 
But on the other hand, do you really want to spend that much time just, you know, with watching entertaining stuff? It's interesting because I'm always very driven to be purposeful in everything I do. So even when I like watch comedy or whatever, I'm like, oh, this will help me. This will help me learn how to be more comedic and more engaging with people so that I can help, you know, them shift their thinking, you know, like because that's kind of my goal in everything I do is just bring new ideas to people and shift their thinking and bring them closer to love and closer to God. Right. And um, and so it's funny because I get so serious about everything like I'm. I'm going through The Simpsons right now on Disney. <laughs> and I'm thinking, there's so much cool stuff I can derive from this that would be beneficial to me connecting with people, right? And But um, I was just thinking about, like, how we need oh, to have Simpsons. childlike wonder. And it's like, what is... When Jesus said, come to me like a child, it's like, what what does that mean? Like... To have childlike wonder, and I, I remember, you know, like the faith of a child, and how initially I was like, oh, because kids will believe every anything, but then I was like, no, kids ask a lot of questions. So what does this childlike faith look like? Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're asking about, but um, they they very much accept things at face value, hmm. and I think that has a lot. To a lot to do with it because we tend to overthink things and we look mm-hmm. for ulterior motives and we look for subtext and everything and um, mm. when you do that partially when you do that when you are always looking for ulterior motives and things like that it shows a lack of trust because mm. otherwise you wouldn't be looking for those things you know when I talk to somebody that I don't trust I don't take anything they say at face value because right. past experience has shown me that that's just not, you know, that's that's not the case. So in some way, every time you do that, you lose a little bit of that, that childlike innocence. Mm. And what happens is, is if you get to the point where you don't trust anything anymore in any kind of way, you just become very dark and cynical and generally not very much fun to be around. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be that. No, no. And, and I've caught myself spiraling into sometimes, you know, some periods of weeks, months, maybe even years where I was just cynical about everything because mm. I had seen so much and I'd, I'd been lied to so much and I saw so much disingenuous and or just disingenuity or whatever. Disingenuous? disingenuous. Yes, that. They were disingenuous. And just it, it really just puts you off of trusting people for mm. sometimes for a long, long time, especially if it's somebody that's personally hurt you or someone that you love. And so you, you tend to spiral into, or at least I did, I tended to spiral into this real dark uh, time of just being cynical and, and pessimistic about everything. And once you realize it, then you can say, okay, wait, hold on. I can't do that. You know, and, and mm. you catch yourself, and and that's a major part of coming out of those kind of funks and those kind of spirals and what into what could be become clinical depression. Mm. If you catch yourself before yeah. you get before you get to that point, then you can do something about it. You can take proactive yeah. 
action before it gets really bad and you can surround yourself with people that you trust or you can do things that are very uh, simplistic or that you have faith in, you know, get involved in church or read your Bible or things that build up your faith and, and don't um, tear it down, you know. But yeah. a lot of times you just don't you don't feel like it when you're in the moment. You're just hurt and you're just like, I don't really want to trust anybody ever again. Yeah. You know? So I one of the TikToks I was watching was a guy who's, I, I think, a psychologist. And he talked about what he calls the reticular activation system. And it's like this system in your brain that just kind of like, it's almost like an algorithm. Like, you know how like when you go on like, well, Facebook or Twitter and now like with TikTok, it's like, oh, here's some things you might like. But it's like your brain works right. like that. And so when you get into like negative thought per patterns in like a relationship, um, you're like, oh, you know, oh, they never, they never, you know, rinse their dishes and put them in the dishwasher. I hate that. Oh, I also hate that socks are on the floor. And I also hate this. And it's like now the algorithm that's in your brain is looking for those yep. negative things all the time. And so what he yep. said is like, okay, so if you have a loved one that you need to get out of that cycle with, he's like, what you need to do is take a piece of paper and write down five things that you really love about them, five things that are very positive about them, and read that every morning. And it'll start reframing your relationship completely. Yeah. And you I was like, break that cycle. fascinating. That, you know, and it's like, and I think gratitude, it's like gratitude is the antidote to that downward spiral. Um, there's a guy, he's, uh, I think it's Erwin McManus who was uh, interviewed on this show, Lewis Howes, uh, The School of Greatness. And he talked about how um, when you get into that, that spiral, you're now in the, I think it's the pre, or it's the amygdala, the lizard brain that you get into, where it's yeah. like fight, flight, or freeze, right? And he's like, mm -hmm. the best way to get out of fight, flight, or freeze is to actually have gratitude. And this guy's a pastor, so it's like very straightforward. It's like be thankful to God for where you are, right? right? And it's like we're in the midst of this coronavirus lockdown where people can't get out of their houses and, you know, like only essential workers are going to work and they're risking their lives every day and it's all this stuff, right? But it's like, okay, hold on right. though. Hold on though. It's like if I'm an essential worker, it's like, I still have a job. There's a lot of people that don't yeah. have a job. I can be thankful for that. But he said, like, the yeah. moment you get out of that, like, you know, kind of, oh, my gosh, there's all this stuff going on, and it's terrible, and the whole world is terrible. The moment you get out of that and you start having gratitude, the creative part of your brain, whatever that is, is that the prefrontal cortex? I, I don't know, brain. But um, – that's know. what kicks in, and then you're way more creative at problem solving. And so, like, there's this, like, right. the practice of gratitude, and whether it's in a relationship that's straining on you, or whether it's your situation where you're stuck in your house, it's like, gratitude is such a solution. Like, my gosh, like, I have a house that I am totally okay with being in for, like, three, four weeks, or however long it's going to be. It's big enough for all mm -hmm. of us. It's wonderful. And it's like, that's a blessing. It is. It very much is. 
and what happens is when when you have those kind of um, the the negative connectivities and the trust issues and and all the cynicism and the you know you end up with these guys who are just wrapped up in conspiracy theories because they don't yeah. trust anything. Yeah. You know, and everything is everything is a threat. Everything is not what it seems. Everything yeah. is a conspiracy. Yeah. And you just like you step back from that and you go, these guys are insane. But when yeah. you look at it, it's because at some point in their past, they were horribly broken by some kind of trust issue that forced them to be that way. Yeah. So, I mean, do you, what do you think is the difference between being childlike and being childish? Um, fart jokes are childish. That's why they're so funny. <laughs> I like fart jokes. Yes, Just saying. That, that's, that will always be funny. Always. Always. Um, <laughs> there's, yeah. So childlike is when, when, you know, when Christ talks about you have to come like one of these little ones yeah. to be able to see the kingdom of heaven, you know, there are some people that, that go into, you know, Greek word studies. They're like, oh, well, he was talking about his disciples as a metaphor for children and da 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 da. And I'm like, well, maybe he meant that. Maybe he just meant kids. I don't know. Yeah. But the concept is the same. You know, I the think idea. The concept is humility, of, isn't it? Right. It's, it's, Humility, it's faith, it's the idea of not not trying to prove that you have all the answers. Oh and my just gosh! Trusting yes, that God. You know that that God has got it in control, and yeah. He knows what He's doing, and you trust that He's going to take care of it. And with all the virus stuff going on, and I don't really even want to talk about it too much because I don't want to get my blood pressure elevated. Yeah, and we don't need to get political it's, it's, on this. No, it's just the thing that I've been fighting from the very first mention of this was people are reacting out of fear. Yeah. And and I and I keep telling people this is just a disease, it's a sickness. It's not your reaction of fear is not going to make your response better. It's going to make it mm. worse. If you stop and you think about it logically, you think about it from an objective point of view, you can say, okay, I don't want my family members to get sick, you know, so I'm going to take these precautions. But yeah. when you start being afraid of everything, like, oh my gosh, you know, you or either if it's afraid of the actual disease or the government or whatever, yeah. you know. There's so much to be afraid of right now. And so it's like, how can well, we have you, gratitude in this situation? And, right. and and cling to I mean, that. There's a lot to be afraid of. Look at the measures we're taking and like just mm -hmm. cling to that and say, well, at least I have this. At least I've got a plan. Like I have a plan for whatever whatever's going on here. It's like I have a plan in place of how we're going to move forward and we're going to do the best we can with what we have. And everybody's in the same boat. It's not like we have some haves and have nots. Like everybody is in the same boat and so it's like let's work together and i'm it's it's crazy to me just how much disunity and how much disagreement there is in the midst of this when in the end we're all in the same boat and so it's like can we can we have can we start with gratitude and be like thankful that 
you know, we do have a roof over our heads, <laughs> right? We got somewhere to be right now. Right. And so let's right. build it I mean, from there. Right. And the, the, the idea of being afraid of everything is what that shows is a lack of trust in God, but it's the idea of this is something that we can't control. Mm. And when you come across a situation uh, potentially life-threatening and you don't have any control over it or very limited control over it, people are afraid because they don't yeah. know what the outcome is going to be. And, and you I, know, I it's think very... What's crazy to me, though, is that there's also the fear of appearing fearful. And this is something right. that's happening within the Christian community. And they're like, well, you don't trust God? Go, go lick that, go lick that toilet seat over there. If you trust God, you're going to lick that toilet seat, you know? And it's like, no, like that, that is just stupid. Right. And it's like, let's, let's still be vigilant. Like, I I think, you know, like it's the continuum between, you know, fearful and complacent, you know, and I'm just like, or fearful and foolish. Why don't we say that? There's a continuum between fearful and foolish, and it's like, so we need to be, you know, vigilant and um, have courage. And I, yeah, that's, a, that's a huge, I mean, let's be adults. And I, I think that that's, that's part of it, too, is like, it's like we're, I, I think we're called to be adults, to, to treat things, you know, to, to act like adults, but still have a childlike wonder. And so it's right. like figuring out what that exactly means is I think we're all figuring it out. Um, I think all of us adults, we still have that, you know, we need to get back in touch with that childlike wonder so that we're not cynical about everything. But we still have to be, yeah. what is it, be, gent- be wise like serpents but gentle like doves. And it's like, what is that? What yeah. does that look like? That's such an interesting paradox. Do you know any wise serpents? Do I know any wise serpents? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen one? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're talking about like in human form, like a person that's very wise and is like a snake. I, I'm just, I'm just asking. I mean, you know, wise <laughs> like serpents. I don't what know. That? It's crazy. That's a crazy scripture because it's just like I, I guess serpents are really good at figuring out how to attack somebody, right? Like they're they're very crafty, right? And so maybe that's what the illusion is. But it's like, but you're also to be gentle like doves. So I think you know Jesus isn't saying you know like, hey, you just be gentle like doves and you know, live at peace all the time and format. never, yeah. never stand up at all. Like, no, he's not saying that. Don't be, don't be complacent. Don't be, don't allow evil to just continue. But it's like, right. I don't know, there's a wisdom in that. And I like, you know, when Paul says, be wise in how you deal with outsiders, right? Like there's, there's something there that I feel like Christians are typically not grasping because they're like they're like either you don't share the gospel ever or you be super in your face about it drop it right shock everybody 
and they just get annoyed with you because you're the annoying Christian and you say, well, I did what I had to do, you know, and it's like, no, 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 no. I mean, like, yeah, that's not how it works. Paul coming in and saying, hey, guys, you know, that unknown God you guys were trying to find. I found him. Right. And it's like meeting people where they're at, which has that that cunningness of a serpent, because it's like, that's so strategic, Paul. That's so incredible. But yet he had this gentleness to him that it wasn't like, well, I'm going to trick you guys. Right, right. He didn't use it to beat them over the head and, mm-hmm. you know, prove his, his spiritual superiority or whatever. But at the same time, he recognized, hey, look, these, you know, there's there's something here that that we can use to glorify God. And, and I mean, he was a master at it. Obviously, yeah. he was good at it. Um, you know, I'm not always sure how that applies on our end. And sometimes, I'll be real honest, I see people that that do things like make horror movies for mm. Christ. Or, you know, like, I'm like, okay, you know, you see um, <laughs> death, metal, death metal Christian bands. Yeah. Like, I've got a friend of mine who's really, really big into Christian death metal. And I'm just like... Mm. I just don't know how I feel about that, man. Like, I just... And so, every time I see that, it was used with the idea of, well, we're reaching that community that otherwise never would have heard about the gospel. Mm. Right? You see Brian Welch do it. You see a couple other guys do that kind of stuff. They go to secular rock concerts, and they witness to people, you know, and... and in the lobby and stuff like that. Brian Head Welch is real famous for doing that. But there's a bunch of other guys that do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and in in my life, from my past, having dealt with that, and that kind of music was representative of a very dark, evil place in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be associated with that anymore. So it's not your bag. I don't. No, no, yeah. it's definitely not my thing. And so, but at the same time. I don't want to look at that and go, you can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's tempting to, you know, and it's tempting to, it's very easy to just say, well, there's nothing redeemable about that. You need to just stay away from that. It's nothing good there. But I, I just, I can't, I can't quite bring myself to tell people that because I've seen God move in ways like that. Yeah. But it's just, I can't do it. I can't. You know, that's that's too close. That's too personal for me. I can't um, I can't bring that part of my life back into into mind without having to dredge up all of those feelings of inadequacy and depression and all those things again. And I just don't. That's not who I am anymore. So do you me, I'm yeah, I'm not a part of that community anymore. So it doesn't interest me at all. Do you think that there okay, like because I think for me. Like where I go will be places that other Christians can't go either. Right. And I've, I've done a lot, you know, to kind of build bridges between people and explore things that Christians are scared to explore. And a lot of it is, you know, kind of the more (laughs) progressive end of Christianity. And I'm like, kind of, and I'll, I'll talk to those people. I'll have conversations with them. Right. And like, some of it is just like, and it's down to the point where I, I am interacting with people who the word God is triggering to them, you know, like people who have lost their <laughs> yeah. faith. And it's like, you can't even say the word God. And I'm just like, huh, 
What about love? What do you think about love? Because if God is love, can we at least like just kind of agree that love is a good thing? Like, could that be an end point, right? And it's kind of interesting because it's like when you start right. dropping, you know, some of the some of the magic words that we like to use as Christians, it's like, does it still mm-hmm. have the same power if we're able to, you know, tell people, I'm pursuing love and I have failed at this numerous times, but I still believe that the divine is bringing me closer to love and I, I receive, you know, forgiveness for where I fail and I get back on track and I'm still pursuing love. And it's like this iteration, you know, sanctification is like this iteration of growing in love. And I'm like, and and so it's kind of interesting because I feel like there's kind of a fringe thing that's going on where, you know, like where you may have the guys that makes Christian horror films or you've got the guy who's doing Christian death metal. And then you've got a guy who's right. like talking to people who are like relativists, like out there in the like, mm-hmm. what do you call it, postmodern kind of way of thinking. Right. And still right. it's like, and it's almost like when you go out and explore that, are you still tethered to what you need to be tethered at so that you're not going so far out you can't come back, right? And right. it's just, it's, it's interesting. So do you think that there is an area of your life where God's calling you to do ministry and it's going to be something controversial that other Christians may not be able to connect with? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, probably the biggest areas in our life right now that we're dealing with as a family, me, my wife, my kids, spiritually, we're dealing with a lot of things to do with organized church in general. Yeah. And that's tough. It's it's very difficult and there are a lot of questions and a lot of things that modern churches do. And I'm just using that as a broad general thing because it's everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Um and so I'm thankful that our church is is very godly. But even our church is being influenced by all of this stuff. Yeah. And so we we look at that and we think, okay, you know, we know that it's it's hard to be totally dedicated to God and entertain ideas from the world at the same time. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's very difficult to draw that distinction when the lines are constantly being blurred. And so what ends up happening is, is if you blur that line enough, eventually, you know, it becomes lukewarm and you want to just avoid it altogether, you know, be hot or mm. cold, don't be lukewarm. And I very much see it as that way. When you start introducing a lot of worldly wisdom, corporate programming, advertising, management, branding. Mm. Yeah. No, that's a good can, point about the corporate end of it and how that is like kind of manipulating the way church is done. Because like even, you know, in the midst of like when we talk about like how we're going to live streaming of church, it's like now, right. you know, already church has been pretty high level in their production. But now right. it's like every pastor is a televangelist. And it's like, yeah. whoa, at what point does that take over? And it becomes so big about branding. And that's been something that has been making me uncomfortable for sure. It asks, it raises a lot of questions, and that's really 
you know, one of the things that we have to be careful about is that churches are very quick to jump on those kind of bandwagons without really examining the effect long-term that it's going to have on the church body, their particular mm-hmm. church body. Yeah. Um, how will that impact them in five years or ten years? You know, what will that look like? What kind of compromises are you going to have to make in order to make that happen? Yeah. You know, you have to pay a consultant to do your branding yeah. or redo yeah. your website or yeah. And and I think the biggest thing that that really turned the light bulb on in my brain because when we started getting involved in that kind of church, yeah. And at the time, I was working for an extremely large uh, industrial farming company, right. which shall remain nameless, but yes. you know, we all know who that is. Yes. Um, very large industrial company that was global, and the way that they did branding, the way that they did management, the way that they did people and managing and time and the, all of that stuff, social media and the manipulation and all of the the surveys and all of the stuff that they did, it was all very carefully tuned over years and years to get the exact intended result. And they had it down to a science. I mean, right. it was uncanny. They didn't do anything without an extremely calculated return on investment. Otherwise, they right. wouldn't do it. Right. And so that had been beaten into my head for 10 years or more working at this company. So when we joined this very large megachurch, um, I immediately saw those patterns. They wow, popped up right away. crazy. Yeah. And, and I immediately said, well, this is exactly what they do at our company. You know, the, the, the focus meeting groups and the employee surveys and the 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 marketing and wanting you know they would pressure us to use our personal social media accounts to promote the brand Mm. and they would and how many times do you see that in churches hey guys use your social media account to post this and spread this and Mm -hmm. you know and i mean our church does it all these churches do it and but it's it's taken straight out of the world's corporation playbook because i've seen it firsthand And well, they don't and, recognize it. And you've probably heard me say this before that, like, in the Old Testament, the people were like, We want a king. And God's like, You don't want a king. That's dumb. <laughs> you know? Right. He's like, No, no, no. You don't want a king. He's going to, like, send your kids to war or whatever. Right. And it's like, in modern right. times, the people were like, Are like, We want a CEO. And God's like, No, no, no. You don't want a CEO. And it's like, No, we want a CEO. And he's like, Okay, fine. And now we have a CEO. And it's like, is is the ministry driven by is it driven by the holy spirit or is it driven by one of those algorithms right it's like the same kind of thing that we're yep. seeing you know what's driving our social media feed and it's like this idea like when you talk about like corporations in general they're designed to grow and so yes. it's like we're designing church now to grow but you know like yeah. not everything that grows is healthy um, correct cancer something that grows it's really good at growing and it's like do is our ministry going to become like a cancer is it is it something that is it going to go in the right direction when we only go for growth um and it's i think part of it too and i remember talking to a pastor about this too and i was like are we getting quality 
discipleship, or are we just getting quantity in our church? Right. Well, how familiar are you with tumors? I'm not super familiar. Okay. I used to be a delivery driver for a pathology lab in New mm. Orleans, mm. and I picked up biopsy samples and brought them to the path lab every day. Did mm-hmm. that for a couple of years. And something that I learned about tumors is they are the result of when your cells replicate out of control right? and without structure. Now, normally, if you start off as a clump of cells, your, your DNA, your RNA tells what cells to form into what. These cells right. say, okay, I'm going to be a hand. And so those cells do it in a predetermined way so that it turns out and looks like a hand or like a face right. or whatever. But a tumor is... It's not just a lump of spongy tissue. Really large tumors will have like teeth in them and hair in them and uh, just just random bits of stuff like huh. just, you know, like fingers and stuff growing in the tumor. And it's because it doesn't it's like the, the pattern is, is all messed up, but it just keeps replicating and replicating and growing and growing and growing. But it doesn't know what to do with itself. And it's not functioning correctly because the parts only function correctly when they're put in the right place. Hmm. And so what happens is, like, I mean, if you had a tumor that grew into a separate person that was fully formed and then detached, I mean, okay, that's one thing. That's functioning. But most tumors, all tumors, are just lumps of randomness, right? Hmm. They're, they're really big. They grow really fast. But they don't serve any purpose because they're not organized tissue. They're just lumps of random. Huh. And what happens is, is when you and I just just click this in my brain just now is when uh-huh. you have a church that grows really really fast, yeah. But there's no structure there, and the people yeah. don't really have purpose, yeah. Other than other than to fuel the growth, yeah. Then you get a tumor. You get a very large, fast-growing entity that doesn't really function the mm. way it's supposed to. Wow, the body, the body of God. Yes. Right. We're talking about the body of God, and that's that's what Paul alludes to. But if we're talking yeah. about a tumor, it's like it it's big, but it's not functional. It's got bits of hair and teeth and weird things that don't belong there. Right, wow. and and those things are they're naturally formed as part of your body, but it has to happen in a certain way, and they have to mm. be attached in the right way and in the right place for them to function correctly. You know, wow. um, that's a good so, word. I, I, I don't know why God just showed me that, but the idea of churches growing really, really fast, and what ends up happening is instead of having a church that's driven by scripture and discipleship and raising up a core group of people that understand what the church's purpose is, and then it grows from there, that's healthy growth. Yeah. But what we're getting is we're getting a lot of artificial growth. Francis Chan mentioned it one way. He said it's like the first time you go to a wave pool and mm. it's an artificial wave. I think I've mentioned this to you before. I don't know. No, remember. I haven't heard this before. Okay, so Francis Chan says the first time he went to a wave pool, he thought it was awesome. And he was like, this is like the coolest thing ever because you get a nice, perfect three-foot wave every time. You know, every mm-hmm. 30 seconds you get this mm-hmm. perfect wave. And I love it's wave really cool. Pools. I do too, right? <laughs> but then he said then he said then I realized 
if all you've ever seen is a wave pool, you wouldn't really have a way of knowing what a real wave looks like if all you've mm. ever seen is a man-made one. Yeah. And so if you've only ever seen man-made growth schemes and marketing mm. and man-made corporate growth, which is what churches are doing now, you wouldn't recognize what a godly growing church looks like if you saw mm. it. Hmm. That's incredible. And I mean, like God's God's creation is just like there's nothing we can create like it. And uh, right. this kind of leads me into I wanted to talk a bit about Devin Townsend, who is one of God's creation. And I, I what I yes. thought was really fascinating was that he talked that he, he said that he sees music. He sees chords as colors and shapes. And yes. I'm like, that is so incredible how God gifts people in certain ways. That's a really interesting phenomenon. And he is, is a very interesting person on more than one level. Mm. Um, I really like his music. But the more that I've listened to him and his music, and he just, during this quarantine, he's been releasing a podcast. Mm. And I'll have to add and that. And it's actually, it's really good. And... What he talks about is the learning process of recording all of his earlier albums because he did like thrash punk metal and he did mm -hmm. ambient stuff and he did like all this other crazy thing. He does all these different weird genres of music, but um, but he's very candid about how when he was young he did all this stuff and he thought he knew all these things and his his limited experience with the music industry and all these other things and he just kind of threw him off and twisted him up to the point where he really couldn't function healthily and he went in after you know making several albums and really struggling with like you know chemical dependency and all yeah. this other craziness that and depression and things like that that he finally got to a place where he could objectively step back and look at it and go okay what I, you know, what I'm trying to do here is not um, cram this stuff down people's throats. But if it's expressive, then it needs to have you know purpose. And he goes yes. into a lot of other detail, and yes. it's really fascinating. So he good. Talks, he talks about the reasoning behind why he wrote the stuff that he did and the mm -hmm. circumstances around it, not the technical stuff. He doesn't talk about like mixing and drum tracks, and he talks about like I was angry. And mm -hmm. I had been hurt deeply, and I yeah. didn't know how to express it, so I started a thrash metal band, and this is yeah. how we did it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and then, like, the one that he talked about today, which I thought was very good, he said, I was naive, and I didn't realize that the actions and the choices that I made at that time were going to have repercussions further down the road with me and my family and the people that I love, because... You know, you're young, you think, well, I'm going to, you know, get into emo death scream metal or whatever. And those choices that you make with that and the lifestyle associated with that, that has a long lasting impact on you as a person. And you think, mm -hmm. we think that we can isolate and compartmentalize our lives. And like, we think, we fool ourselves into thinking that, well, I can listen to this death metal stuff and not let it affect me. Mm -hmm. But it does. Mm -hmm. And I know this from firsthand experience because I was there. Yeah. And so coming out of that 
and and of course Devin realized that, and now he writes very uplifting, um, inspiring kinds of music. The last album that he released, not Empath, but the one before that, Transcendence. Um, there's several songs on it that are about um, overcoming suicidal thoughts, and you know mm. he he sings it about you know the world needs you, and yes, it's hard, and yes, it hurts sometimes, but don't give up, don't quit, you know, and, and he talks about that kind of stuff because that's real and that's, you know, and he decided I'm going to use this as a way to to help people that have been where I've been and want to get out of it the way that I did and I'm going to use my music as a conduit, as a way to do that and I, and I really I respect a, that. I get a sense that with this guy, creativity is such a compulsion and it, it, it kind of draws me into this like notion that I've been repeating over and over again that I really believe that good mental health requires striking the optimal balance between being and doing. Because what can easily happen with someone as gifted as Townsend is he can be all do and not even know who he is anymore because it's like he's creating right. all this cool stuff. Everybody sees him as this guy that creates all this cool stuff. But are there days where he just stops being Devin Townsend? And that was the main reason why I moved from like, you know, being John Howie to being Bridge Livewatt. I was like, okay, well, this this guy that does all these things, that's Bridge Livewatt. John Howie is the guy that's there for his family. You know, and just right. kind of right. Yeah, separating the two so that I can be like, okay, yeah, all this stuff that I'm creating, it's like, I, I need to, I get, it's a compulsion. I need to have these conversations. I need to make this music. It's just something I do. And it's like, and it's, it's, you know, I'm trying to put good things out there, but it's like a lot of it is just, I need to do this. It's like, I was, I was born right. to do this. And so I think like when you're creating your ambient music, it's the same thing. It's like, I, I there's something in me that's being expressed and I need to do this. And hopefully some people like right. it. But I mean, like, either way, it's still going to be created and it's still going to be put out there. Right. It's scratching an itch. And I think non-creatives yeah. really have a hard time grasping that. It's mm. not something that we do necessarily out of pride or fear or whatever. But it's it's like for me it's an expressive way to get out all of those feelings. And so if I'm feeling uh, moody, I'll play music that's moody, that's very you know minor key and very spacey sounding. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm feeling very, very happy or very reticent or whatever, and I'll, and I'll come up with sounds like, okay, what does being reticent sound like? Hmm. You know, what, is, what does that sound like? What, what would that, what, how can I recreate that, that feeling in sound and yeah. for me sometimes i'll have just an idea of well i wonder if i put these two things together what it'll do you know it's kind of like just taking a science kit and just mixing things together to see what will explode you know i, I kind of do I, that I, with I sounds about, and I, I can't remember if i said this on add masterminds last week or not but i was like saying that creativity is like putting on an outfit and it's just kind of like well you've seen this hat before but have you ever seen this hat with this hoodie? Like never, right? You know, and it's just kind of like right. this idea. Like it's like you're taking it's like you're taking raw materials 
Um, the other thing I was thinking too is like creativity. It's like I, I believe like pursuing love, you know, will lead you to God if you actually, you know, pursue perfect love because that's that's who God is. And I'm like, I think creativity right. can do the same thing. Like there's something about creativity because like what we're doing when we're being creative is we're trying to build structure, but we don't want it to have too much structure because it's, it's like nature, you know, where you look at like a tree right. and you can see the tree grains and you're like, you know, like a, a tree has a certain structure, but every tree has like a unique grain going through it. The arrangement of the leaves is different right. and it's just kind of scattered, but it has structure at the same time. And like when you're making music, if it's too structured, right. it's not interesting. Um, and so right. there's something about creativity where we're basically trying to emulate the work of the creator. Yes. And it's, there's Absolutely. something very That's spiritual way to put it. about creating. Yeah, I mean that's that's us reflecting God's nature and and mm -hmm. creating things, mm -hmm. like like when you look at, I'll give you an example. Like, I've really gotten into an ambient music kick, which I've been, been enjoying immensely, and that's yeah. new to me because I'm not really a big ambient music fan up until about a year ago. Right. But for some reason, I've really I've really gotten a, a, an interest in it, and I've been following musicians who do it, and learning the methods that they use. But more than that is I've really found it's a good way for me to just be creative without being too specific, right? Yes, so, and yes, that's huge. I can, I can be very creative with sounds and textures, but I don't have to sit down and bang out lyrics for an hour. I can just yeah. make noises. And that's still creative, it's so but it's funny, on a different level. I'm doing the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I mean, when you think about, like, um, like you said, the analogy with trees, like, from 100 feet away, you can look at a tree and say, oh, that's a pine tree. Mm -hmm. Right? Pretty obvious. You know what pine trees look like. But when you get closer, you start noticing that, well, this pine tree doesn't look exactly like that one. Or maybe this is a different kind of pine tree still a pine tree but the closer you get to it the more differences you find mm -hmm. and i find with yes. music with music is the same way and with mm -hmm. painting is also the same way mm -hmm. is absolutely you look at it from you look at it from a distance and you go oh that's a portrait oh that looks like something a landscape like bob ross would paint but then as you get closer you start picking up more and more character of what they were trying to intend and that's really where the beauty of it is is when oh, you dude. zoom in to a a painting, you know, and you see the, the little small imperfections in it, in a tree, in the variations in the bark and the knots and the, you know, mm -hmm. just all the, it, mm -hmm. it, it, there's so much texture there and you could, you could never exhaust it. it well, it's the same thing with deep. people too, right? It's like, as yep. you get closer to people, you start to see their imperfections and there's a beauty in the imperfections too. And I like, right. even, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever like met someone who's like, kind of like a spiritual hero and you you get to know them and you realize they have all these flaws and you're like i like that because that still makes you a person because right you know and like when we went we did a missions trip and it was interesting getting to know this missionary family because this guy was doing all these things where he's like laying hands on people and healing them and all this stuff and it was interesting getting to know him as a human being and realize oh 
he's just a person like us. And it's like that intimacy. Intimacy is such an interesting thing because you actually get to know people and there's a beauty in the imperfections. And it's easy to get bogged down in the imperfections to the point where you, your algorithm goes off. And again, you're just stuck on that little negativity when in reality it's like this is a human being created in the image of God. Like every human being is this masterpiece and there's something so beautiful about every human being you encounter. And that's that's where I'm at with a lot of things. Like I am going to have conversations with people who have very different beliefs from me. But I do believe there's a certain amount of grace that every human being has. I think, what do they call it, common grace, where it's like you've, you've seen a glimpse of God. You've seen a glimpse of the unknown God, and it's there. And there's just, ah, yeah. oh, man, like just what God creates is so incredible, and we need to be aware of it, and we need to get close. We need to get close to see the beauty Instead of being so distant with everything, and this is so crazy, you know, because of where we're at right now with physical distancing, and um, I know they used to call it social distancing, but I love that they're moving away from that to call it physical distancing because it's like, no, we're still connecting, and we're going to connect deeply with people without leaving our house, and there's ways to do that, and that's what we're trying to do when we engage with people on social media. And it's like, be there for people because there's a lot of people that are crying for help right now. So it's like, how it's can true. you be there for them? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's obvious people's need for connecting. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. also, before I continue on that thought, I just mm-hmm. wanted to say that God is the same way. The closer you get to him, the more beauty and detail you see in him. If you look mm-hmm. at God from a, a great distance, he doesn't, he doesn't look that impressive. But when you get to know him better and you zoom in, Oh, he's got a personality. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he certainly does. But anyways, um, you're seeing right now, like, um, people just constantly wanting to connect with other people because they're physically isolated. And so they have, um, there is this this group on Facebook called the Quarantine Karaoke Group. (laughs) Okay. The last time I checked, it had 150,000 members. Wow. And all it is, is people posting themselves singing karaoke. That's all it is. <laughs> Have it's you done fun. one? Yes, I've done a couple. <laughs> awesome. I did, um, I did uh, Tom Petty's Free Falling on my 12-string acoustic. It's a great song. And I yeah. did um, um, It's Magic by The Cars. How's that go? Uh oh, it's magic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And the guys. Magic. That one. No, yeah. that's a different. That's. Oh, am I thinking of a different song? Yeah, yeah. That's uh. Okay. You know. That's a different song. No, um, magic by the cars. It's the one where he's walking on the pool, walking on the water, and all the people are around the pool trying to get to him, and it's weird, but. Anyways, if you like the cars, I mean, you know which song I I'm talking love about. The cars. They're the cars were actually an inspiration to Weezer, hey? Oh, they're fan- the cars are fantastic, and yeah. Weezer is is a I think a good tribute band to them. Just that <laughs> genre. I mean, oh, they, they kind of well, are. 
I love how like bands, you know, like that come after other bands. Like I don't know if you ever heard Greta Van Fleet. Yep, yep. And um, oh, one of the guys on Twitter, Jason Bradley, he's like, Greta Van Fleet is what happens when you have a Led Zeppelin cover band, but you never learn any of the songs. Yeah, you <laughs> like the idea of it, but yeah, basically. <laughs> Pretty funny. I love that. It's hilarious, but yeah, that's that's good stuff. I just love to see people create, and it's it's beautiful. And I mean, like, I want people to to be free and uncaged in how they create. And I mean, like, whether it's like ministry is a big part of it. It's like if we allow people to be creative, we will see growth, but it'll be legitimate growth because the Holy Spirit is inspiring their creativity, and people are doing weird things like. Talking to people we're not supposed to talk to or creating a metal band or, you know, building Who a knows? haunted house. I don't know. There's just weird things that people do. And it's like, can we can we give them the space to be creative, but still, you know, keep them tethered, you know, keep them grounded in our community of people that are legitimately seeking God, because it's so easy to get lost out there. Um and feel more connected to the people you're ministering to than the people that are supposed to be your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we need to be like, and, and so, um, one thing I was thinking, I have you seen the movie, um, Horton hears a who? Yes. And so the dad, he's talking to his son and he says Mm -hmm. to him, son, you can be any kind of mayor you want to be when you grow up. <laughs> right. And it's just so interesting how limiting that is because it's like, no, 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 I'm a mayor. You have to be a mayor when you grow up, right? But you can be whatever kind of right. mayor you want to be. And I'm like, I wonder if we're doing that in the church where we're trying to get people to fit a template. Well, yeah, because the way that the way that the modern church grows is to bring in people and what you draw them in with is what you keep them with. Mm. And so you replicate that and that is, that is what you draw people in with. So if you decide to go to a certain style of music or you, you a certain style of preaching or, you know, you go to using comfy chairs instead of pews or whatever, you know, Whatever it is that you're doing in an attempt to bring people in is what you're what you're trying to do is is to attract people yeah. that are looking for something specific. And so what you do is you present something that you think they want, but really that's not why people go to church. Or it shouldn't be why people go to church is because of the music style or because of, you know, the preaching style or how nice looking the pastor is or how beautiful the music leader can sing music or whatever. And I get those things can help. Like I get those things can help and maybe make it, you know, I, I think, you know, it's like when we talk about like even like apologetics, it's like apologetics isn't about like changing someone's brain. You know, like it's not about tricking people. It's about removing stumbling blocks. So, I mean, like having terrible music 
that could be a stumbling block. It could stop people from wanting to come to church because they can't stand the sound of that <laughs> screeching voice, right? I, I get that. Yes. So there's kind of a point where you're like, okay, okay, this is this is good for us to strive for excellence so it's not a st- stumbling block. But there's a point where you're pursuing excellence to the point where there's no substance anymore because you've worked so hard to make this this beautiful thing, right? This Yes, I, that is absolutely correct. But I do question if at some point we just end up with such cookie-cutter ch- churches that it's like it's like pop music. You know, like it's like yep. it, there's no substance to it. It's great everybody everybody likes coming and seeing the show and everything, but there's there's nothing to it. And I I remember feeling very yep. cynical as my church I've moved I've left church that church since mainly because of where I live. Like I I live in a smaller or I I live in a suburb now. And so I'm going to a okay. church in the suburb. But um okay. the church that I was going to had moved from a school gym into a building, an actual building, because they merged with another church. And so they were nice. getting going, and they had this big plan for this church. And I was so trying not to be cynical about it, but I was like, well, hold on, though. Like, what's going on here, right? And yep. it dawned upon me that it's like when we talk about artists, you know, I like the fringe artists. I love fringe artists. I love Kevin Max. I love John Mark McMillan. Yeah. Like, I like yeah. these guys that are just, they're doing their own thing, they're not wildly popular, but what they're doing is really interesting, right? And, yep. um, but then I was like thinking, okay, well, what are, you know, what do big artists do? Like, you know, the Beatles or, you know, like all these, all these big artists, you know, Ariana Grande, you know, whatever, right? I don't really listen to Ariana right. Grande, but, or Taylor Swift, right? And they're just like, I'm like, there's no substance to what they're doing. It's so, you know, and um, something hit me that I'm like, there's, we went to a 21 Pilots concert. And I, I don't know okay. if you've ever gotten into 21 Pilots, but like something that's really incredible about them. And I've been talking to my kid about this when we're talking about writing music together. I'm like, what's incredible about 21 Pilots is they are real with the darkness, but they point people toward the light. And it's like very few artists do that. It is easy to be light and just be like, la di da, life is good. Or like, oh, my heart's broken. <laughs> But I broke up with you, so screw you, or whatever Taylor Swift does, right? But it's like, but to actually be real with the darkness and point people to the light, there's very few artists that can do that. And 21 Pilots has managed to do it in such a way that they get radio play, and they're huge. Like, it's a huge band. And Mm. I'm like, that. If you want to have a megachurch that can do that, that's a beautiful thing. Because you don't only get big, you don't only get big by selling out. You can get big while sticking to, pointing to the darkness and leading people from the darkness to the light. And I think that's what I want to see churches do. Okay, well, there's a, yeah, and when you look at an example of a church that doesn't, isn't real about Mm -hmm. the darkness is guys like Joel Osteen. Like, he's not going to talk about, you know, spiritual shortcomings, and he's not going to talk about failures, and he's not going to talk about, um, you know, the dark side of our nature, which is there, and you and I both know it's there. Yeah. Um, everybody knows it's there, but they, they would rather not think about it, because then they don't have to deal with it. And 
one of the things that I, I like about like Kevin Max and Tevin, Devin Townsend and other guys like them is their music is they're not afraid to talk about the bad things. Yeah. And that's and Kevin Max got a lot of heat for that from the Christian community because his songs are not all rainbows and sunshine. No. And I'm okay with that because sometimes that's just where you are. But there's yeah, this expectation. Absolutely. There's this expectation with churchgoers, especially in the modern progressive church, that everybody's got to be uh, successful and happy. And mm-hmm. otherwise, you might come across as, well, I'll give you a personal example. One of the churches I was involved in, we had a men's group that was mm-hmm. on uh, social media. Yeah. And one day I was just having a really bad day. And I said, guys, just pray for me. I'm just having a really bad day. You know, we screwed up in music practice and da 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 yeah. You know, it, it's going to be okay. God's got it. But just pray for me. I'm just having a really yeah. off day. Yeah. And the pastor texted me directly and he's like, don't, don't ever do that. In the Talk group about chat. We don't screwing up in music practice. Is that what? Yeah, he said, "Don't yeah. do that. Don't don't talk about your failures. Don't talk about your shortcomings." And what I've been told that before. <laughs> and what what that tells me is, they're not interested, and 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 the reasoning behind it was he told me was we don't want to scare away new guys in the group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got told and, the same thing. Yeah. Right. And the first thing that popped into my head is, I'm being real. I'm being raw with these guys. Yeah. If I go into a social group and everybody is saying the same thing, it's like the Stepford Wives, right? Everybody's just like, yes. oh, everything is. And I'm like, it comes across as ingenuine. Does nobody have a bad day? Yeah. I mean, really? You know, yeah. that's fake. It's fake. It's, it's fake, so fake, fake. fake. I hate fake so much. Yeah. I know. And I mean, like, and it's like, I think people are scared to actually acknowledge the darkness because they're scared that the light's not bright enough. And I know it was one of my things that I really loved about the Bad Christian podcast. They said, if we are not real enough with how dark our sin was, we are denying the fact that Jesus' blood is powerful enough to cover it. And I was like, that's yes. so, yes. that is like, that's, oh, that's amen worthy, you know? And, um, yes. and so I, I really believe in transparency. And I mean, I think beyond this, because I feel like it's, there's been a lot of, you know, the church has been, there's a lot of shame that people have walked through. And it was done wrongly. And I think what's yeah. happened is, like, all these people that were raised in this shame church, you know, the purity culture, all of this stuff, they've got all this baggage from it. And so the church is like, oh, okay, well, we'll move in a different direction. We won't talk about that stuff anymore. But in the right. meantime, you've got all these people who were broken by that. And they were like, I was shamed. I was shamed for being the way I am and all this stuff. And I was abused. You know, I was told that I can't dress this way because I'm causing men to fail. But in the meantime, there's boys that were like legitimately raping girls in youth group. Like there's all these like messed up, messed up stories 
Yeah. And it's like, as a church, we've kind of moved on, and those people are gone from the church now. And I don't feel like anyone followed up with them, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so there's like a whole yeah. crowd of people there that are so hurt. And it's like, how do we show them that God is love? Because the word God is triggering to them. And I'm like, huh. Because yeah. it's like, I feel like there's maybe, you know, instead of looking at, I think that's the dark side that we're not addressing within the yeah. church. And to right. look at that and be real about that and be like, here's the thing, though. Like, sin is sin. Like, there's still such thing as sin. But it's like, like the difficulty of telling someone, no, no, no. Like, the church was right that you're a sinner. But the way they did shame was bad. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know right. how to explain that. And I mean, I know, like, I was listening to this uh, podcast with Alicia, Alisa Childers, who talks a lot okay. about progressive uh, Christianity. And um, her, her guest on her show was talking about how to talk to your children about progressive Christianity. And um, one of the things, a couple of things that came out of that conversation that I thought were really interesting was this lady was saying, well, I cannot... You know, people who don't believe they need to be redeemed because they've gotten away from the notion of sin because there was so much shame that was attached to this idea of being a sinner. And there was so much mm -hmm. shame in being a woman, even, really. Like, it's it's crazy how that all came together, right? right? But um, she said, my favorite way to, like, kind of address that is instead of trying to convince them that they're a sinner, I say, I don't know about you. I don't know you, but I know for sure that I'm a sinner. I know for sure yeah. that I fall short. And I'm like, oh, man, yeah, just lay it on yourself. Like, that is a beautiful way yes. of addressing it, and it's a humble way of addressing it. Um, the second it thing that I thought was so interesting is there's a great medical analogy. You know, as we raise our kids in the church, um, when we shelter them, they're not exposed to any of these thoughts that could cause, you know, them to stray from Christianity. And we have just kind of like this neat kind of caged Christianity that we put our kids in. And then the moment they're exposed to something else, it's like they've not been vac vaccinated, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like we need to give our kids a safe space to be exposed to these questions. Because there are questions like, is God really good? Right. And I'm like, man, like, is God really good? And it's like, why, why do we believe God is good? Because, I mean, man, I've ran into a lot of people now that are like, I don't know if God is good. And I'm like, I know he yeah. is, but I can't prove it to you right now. You know, like, and I'm just like, right. and I, I just, I have this sense that in the midst of all of this, all this tragedy, I sense that God is weeping with us. I don't sense that he's sitting there, ah, you'll see, <laughs> stupid human. Like, I don't, I don't know why you guys are crying. This yeah. is stupid, right? No, no, no. He weeps with us. He's there with <laughs> us. And so for me to understand, like, yeah. I don't know, man. It's such a hard concept to even put into words, but there's something there. And all of this is just so incredibly complex. And we need to 
I think expose our kids to this idea that it's like, you know what? I don't have all the answers and I'm pursuing the answers and I'm pursuing love. I'm pursuing God and he will reveal things eventually. Um, and things will come together for his glory in the end. But right now, man, I don't know why that abuse happened. And I'm so angry and so sad. And I weep with you. And I believe God is weeping with us, too. And I want to walk yeah. with you through this. And I don't want to give you easy, easy answers because there's not easy answers right now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we get so sucked into preachers and teachers and celebrities that are just like, you know, they look like they have it all together. They're they're preaching. They're you know everybody is uh, successful, and you're going to succeed, and your business is going to succeed, and yeah, you know, no, no, no. These these are people that are hurt. These are people that have been damaged, that have been abused, that have mm -hmm. been struggling with addiction. These are, and and it's everyone, you know. And it's yeah. not a matter of when I when I see that the first thing that pops into my head is that this isn't reality you know mm -hmm. what what they're what they're selling is not is not real no because god god doesn't promise us financial success and 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 physical healing he doesn't promise us that mm. as much as they say it is and as much as they take scripture out of context it doesn't make it so oh my gosh you know? and what comes to mind is in this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome the world. Yes. Right. So it's like to put it into perspective, that's just the world. There's something yeah. beyond this. And um, right. oh, and it's like this, this kingdom, and it's like this kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And I think even that is something that we're like, well, the kingdom of heaven is when we die, everything will get better. And I'm like, yeah, that's part of it, but the kingdom of heaven is here. So what does that look like? And it's like it's like right. there's this other dimension to things. And I think that is that is the hope that we need to bring to this world is this right. this other dimension to things because it's like I know that that there's something bigger going on here in the midst of all this like death an economic upheaval there is yeah. something that's still happening and it's like god is stirring our hearts and i mean like i am feeling right now in myself a renewal as i'm i'm, I'm reading through this book right now um it's called jesus unbound and okay it's it's interesting keith giles is a guy who um is talking about how we've boiled down, you know, all of Christianity to a book. And he's like, but the book is about God. The book is about Jesus. It's like Jesus has the final authority. It's not the Bible that has the final authority. And I'm like, this is interesting territory. And I'm like, but I know, like, that's been my experience is I know that God speaks to me. And he's not going to contradict the written word. But there is, this is my launching, that's my tether point. But God's going to take me to all these different places. And I don't, 
I don't need these theologians to tell me to interpret this this specific way all the time. I think there are revelations that God gives that are very personal, and that scares people because I'm getting out of the cage. But it's like knowing the Bible holistically and then being able to, like, see things through the lens of Jesus. And that's just what I'm exploring right now. But it's like... I don't know. I read something that really stuck with me, and it was Jesus saying, like, if you believe in me, you will not be condemned. And I was like, wow, the word condemned really hit me hard. Mm. And it kind of tethered me again and reminded me, you know, like, this is real. Like, what I'm looking at right now is real. This is, there's something big at stake here. And I don't really. I don't really dwell on what happens when people don't receive Christ. Um, Cause I like, for me, it's like, I want to bring people into relationship with God. I want to bring people to Christ because this is a beautiful thing that can change your life right now, but it also gives you hope for the future. Like it's this beautiful thing. And I feel like what's been so missed is that, you know, like we, the Apostle, Apostles' Creed, you know, says like Jesus was born of a virgin and then he suffered and died under Pontius Pilate and then he rose again. But it's like there's this whole gap in between. Like didn't, didn't some things happen like while Jesus was alive? Like did he not tell us to follow him and that we would do right. greater things? And I'm like there's all of that. And I'm like so kind of stuck in that. And feeling inspired right. to like see what that looks like and how can I exemplify that? Because that is that is the true power. That is that is what is gonna draw people to God. And it's like yeah. enough with this, what are the bare minimums to get into heaven? I need to convince people that these are the bare minimums. Nobody wants to be a crappy person and then die and go to heaven and be like, Yes, the grace of Jesus. You know, and squeezed I in by the skin of my teeth. Yeah. And I don't think Jesus is feeling that either. No, because he said there will be fruit. My disciples will have fruit. So I'm like, we need to be that because that is that is the only thing that will draw all men to him. I think that's a lot of what modern churches are missing is mm. they're not seeing the, the reason that they are resorting to mankind's ways to grow churches is because that they're not seeing growth because they're not doing it the way God intended. And and I'm using that now, I'm using that as a very broad generalization. But Oh, it is, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of churches that are doing good things. I, yeah, I yeah. love the church I'm attending right now. I have no complaints. <laughs> right. And, but let me, let me clarify that just a little bit. So, the idea is, if you are in a church that is preaching the gospel, that is preaching, we are sinners saved by grace, mm-hmm. that is real, that is discipling mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. that is preaching uh, exegesis, that is teaching people how to do Bible study, teaching people how to pray, how to fast, that's making strong believers, living it out and they are not growing, 
then going to the world's methods for advertising is not going to make things better. And if you are not growing because you're not doing those things, running to the world's methods to grow the church is going to make it worse. And so thankfully in our church right now, we have a very solid pastor. We have a lot of solid believers in the church. We're bringing new people in and what and I personally feel like there's very little discipleship going on right now. Mm. And so one of the things now they're also doing the the media push and all that stuff which I'm trying not to get involved with because I don't really want to. But mm. um but what I'm really interested in is when you're bringing people in what happens to them after they come in and they decide they want to stay. Why do they want to stay? And what is the church going to do with them while they're here? If we're just going to entertain them for an hour and 15 minutes, then they just soon go see a movie. But if we're going to take them in, we're going to disciple them. We're going to challenge them. We're going to preach them uh, the word and teach them about sin and repentance and fasting and prayer. And these are the building blocks of the Christian faith. I mean, you can't have a healthy church without these things. And so, you know, I think what I'm seeing is churches are either dropping those things and trying to use other methods to grow because what in their mind they're thinking, well, preaching about sin isn't working. We need, you know, that's totally not the case. <laughs> um, mm. Or they're trying to add it on to what they're already doing, which is where I think our church is right now, is we had a pretty solid church to start with, and they're adding in the other stuff on top of that. And I understand the reasoning behind it. I get it. I, I, I see it. I, I understand what it does. It, it, it raises visibility for the church and the community. Right, right. That's, that, that's fine. Um, but at some point along the way, you're going to have to make compromises to continue down that road because you really can't do both. You can't really, and I'm sure there's lots of people that will disagree with me, but the truth is, is that for you to have, and I saw this at, at the first big church that we went to, right. is what, what you have is if you follow the program, the corporate growth program, right. to yeah. its logical conclusion, it does not leave room for the Holy Spirit to work. It does not leave room for discipleship. It doesn't, it doesn't allow for movement of the Spirit. It doesn't really allow those things to happen because everything has to be At so structured. Pace. Yeah, and right. there's, there's a pace that you're trying to keep up. And I think that's what's what's weird about it. And I think we we should be just about done here. But um, right. I think I think a lot about this with um, what I do creatively and what you're doing creatively, right? right? And it's like if you really wanted to get this ambient thing to take off, what would you need to do? What would be the business model? And I'm like, I haven't even begun to think of like. You know, people are like, how do you get more followers for your podcast? I'm like, if my podcast is good, people will listen to it. 
My music yes. is good. People will listen to it. I don't care. I'm just going to keep creating what I'm creating. And, right. and I know that you get to a point, I think, with a church where you're like, what we're doing is so interesting. Tell your friends about it. Sure. But I think like when it's too structured, it's starting to, you know, it's, it's easy to get um, the wrong incentives going, right? And I mean, like, right. I'm scared to get the wrong incentives do- going with the little bit that I'm doing. Even right. just my social media posting. Like, it's like, I don't want to get distracted by my own reflections. So let's not get re- distracted by our own reflections. You know, whether it's a ministry, whether you're a musician, whether you're a podcaster, it's like, stay true to the work and just try to figure out how to get out of the way of this organic thing that God is doing. Right. I see a lot of people that are getting caught up on the marketing before they have a big enough business to support the mm-hmm. need for that. And churches mm-hmm. are the same way. They are wanting to step into a large corporate model of, um, of exposure before they have a church big enough to need it. Mm. And, and some people will say, well, you know, how are we going to get a large church if you don't you know, do these things? And I'm, my thinking is that needs to be reactive, not proactive. Mm. Um, for church, yes. Now, businesses, that depends. For me, creatively, look, I'll be honest. I feel dirty posting my own music video links yeah. on Twitter. You know, yeah. I'm just like, oh, I feel so, I, I just, it feels sleazy, you know, trying to post your own material. And then, of course, we have a Facebook group that's overrun with all people do is post, <laughs> you know, links to their own material. And I love that you're fixing that. Um, yeah, so listeners, um, that uh, group is Christian Musicians Musicians, and you can find that on Facebook and you can join it. But the idea is that you share music that inspires you, not self-promotion. And we're trying to shift the culture there because it got away on me. It's kind of so tough. But Jeff is now progress. admin so he can crack some whips. <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> All right. Well, thanks for doing this. It was it was fun. I have no idea what I'm going to title this. I'm going to have to listen to the whole episode. Probably something involving algorithms. Actually, that's the title. Something involving algorithms. Love it. There you go. There you go. All right. So <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Follow us on ADD, at ADD Masterminds on Twitter, ADD Masterminds on Facebook. We used to be on Instagram, but yeah, I'm just not doing that anymore. We still have the blog up. It's it's up there. I haven't written it in a while. <laughs> that either. was fun though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We haven't right. talked about lasers at all. No. Pew pew. Pew pew pew. Pew pew pew. Yeah. Next time I'll have to talk about laser talk. Acme lasers for the, the utmost in church stage lighting, right? <laughs> Acme will be glad to be back. I think They're so. On I Twitter, think we need... by the way, do you follow them on Twitter? Uh, yes, we need to bring them back on as a sponsor. I love them. Um, okay. But yeah, so guys, be encouraged. The the stuff that we talk about as creators, as believers, um, don't shy away from the difficult things to talk about because these yes. are the important things for people. Yeah. Um, 
you know, all the churches that have all the superficial, you know, the health and wealth and all of the, the craziness that's associated with that. Real people struggle with things. And if you yeah. deny that, you're denying our humanity. You're denying yes. our sin. Yeah. And if you deny our sin, then why do we have a need for Jesus in the first place? So, you totally. know, run, run away from those kind of those kind of places. You don't need uh, to be patted on the back and told how good you are. That's not to say that we need to be told we're complete scum either, but the idea is we serve a risen God who has overcome those things, and that's what we need to focus on. Yes. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Boom. Air <laughs> smudge. <laughs>